Yes, it is like that. Sorry, yes, I'm having a chat here with Sinead Kennedy. Good morning to you, Sinead Kennedy. And uh, you're, you're in here, you're bouncing brightly into the studio with all of your positive vibes and your energy in good form. I am. Thank you very much, Oliver, for having me in. Per- permanently in good form. Uh, no, not permanently no. in good form. No, anyone who knows me will say far from that. We wouldn't believe that if you, <laughs> no, if you said it. it uh, this, this is an amazing story because uh, it's a story about your life, basically, isn't it? Wheels kind of come off. Um, uh, do we start with all the sad stuff, first of all? Is that the best way? Where, where, where do you like to begin your story? Of? Yeah, so just to tell the listeners that tell I wrote a book. You are. Yeah, about, um, it's called Life is a Cycle and mm-hmm. it's basically a story about moving on. So in 2005 is where the story starts when I was 32 two years old Mm -hmm. and I was in a really bad place. Uh, Life was very chaotic. My head was all over the place, literally. And uh, unfortunately, there was a huge big intervention and uh, I dropped all the balls. I was juggling too many balls, dropped all the balls and ended up, uh, for my own safety, being taken into St. Pat's, which was a real rude awakening. Yes. And that's where the book starts. A, a psych- the St. Pat's Psychiatric Hospital yeah. in Dublin. Yeah. What what things were you juggling that it all came to a head? Oh, you know what? Just life. I was living a life that wasn't meant for me. I was sort of trying to fit into sort of South County Dublin life. Uh, you know, the you know everyone kept telling me about my biological clock, which I sort of hadn't really thought about. Um, you know, the pressure was on. I had bought a property that I couldn't afford. I was working four jobs to try and pay for it. Yeah. Um, I was drinking too much. I was burning the candle at two ends and the middle and every other bit I could find to burn. And I just I just basically just fell apart one day. And that was that. What is the uh, keeping up with the South County Dublin life? Well, I guess. Well, a bit like today, you know, everybody's desperate to get on the property ladder. And, you know, back at the time, it was 2005, you know, the buzzword was I'm saving for a deposit. And, you know, I guess that pressure is on as well to settle mm. down. But in all honesty, I had never really thought about settling down. Like I was still dancing on tables and getting drunk. And we were just coming out of the Chardonnay era into the Pinot Grigio era, <laughs> you know, so I thought we were all very posh. But so is, is it kind of a pressure to look and appear successful? Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, and I think, you know, the pressure's on to get married as well and to have the kids mm. and, you know, the, the, the two holidays a year and the two cars and the semi-D and all of that. But, um, you know, again, you know, it was nearly 20 years ago. So, you know, thankfully life has changed and we all know that there's other ways to live now. Yeah. But back then it was still a little bit... Um, yeah, the pressure was on or maybe it was my own pressure that I was putting myself under. Um, but I was going to ask who was doing it because you're kind of doing it yourself. But it is, it was the environment at the time. It's hard to remember it now, isn't it? Thankfully, yes, it's very hard to remember and I've blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. If you're not rich in 2005, like it's kind of like, what are you doing, you Egypt? They're just handing money out there. They were handing money out. They were doling it out like biscuits and, uh, you know, 100% mortgages. And yeah, people were really getting themselves into financial difficulties. So 2005, so you basically have basically a, like, like a crash before the crash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'd like to think that I'm an innovator. What is your, <laughs> I love the dark humour in that one. What is the, um, what was your version of the crash? My version of the crash was uh, drinking too much. Uh, mm. Just, just like I said, burning the candle at both ends and uh, just ended up basically just in a heap and I and I when I say in a heap I mean in a heap physically emotionally mentally um basically just just in a very very bad bad place and um there was an intervention was the people around you helped you uh yeah well you know what there was uh, a couple of uh attempts uh to take my own life and stuff like that so you yeah. know it was 
yeah, look, it's again, it's not something that I want to dwell on on the book because no. that's where the story starts. Yes. And it's about moving on from there. So, you know, I get into St. Pat's and I got the fright of my life and I was like, you know what? This is terrible. This is not what I was meant for. I was meant for better things than this. I'm better than this. And that's not to take away from anyone's mental health or anyone who who gets into St. Pat's. I'm talking of course. purely about my story. And it's very, very, um, I need to really stress that, that this is my story and what I did and what I did to move on and how I've changed and got on with life. So do you, do you remember the day coming out of the, of the hospital and <laughs> facing the, the future? And, you know, there must have been a, a sense of hope for you, um, even though those early stages. Again, in the book, I kind of talk about it, you know, so I ran out of the place, to be honest with you. And again, I have to be very careful because some people need that and yeah. again I well, You needed it as well Well no because what happened was when I got in there I realised that I wasn't depressed I wasn't any of those things that they were trying to sort of diagnose me with I was just living the wrong life and I was miserable okay. and I just knew that in order for me to live a better life I had to do other things than what I was doing wasn't working so I had to change the record so in the book I use the analogy a lot of being a caterpillar and emerging from the cocoon and you know I wanted to be a butterfly I wanted to soar I wanted to fly I wanted to be colourful I wanted to be myself instead of trying to fit in again to the life that I wasn't Mm. meant for What what you're saying is you didn't have a mental illness per se you would just put all this pressure on yourself Yeah I think it was just burnout it was just exhaustion and when I got in there I, again, for me personally, the treatment plan that was being offered was I just kind of knew deep down in my gut. And I think this is where I sort of feel I'm lucky I have a, a good strength of character. And I kind of went, you know what? I actually know what's wrong here and I'm the only person that can fix it. What's the first thing you change? Oh, everything. I changed my job. I changed my uh-huh. lifestyle. I, I uh, stopped drinking. And I decided I'd always, always wanted to work on the cruise ships. And again, I talk about this in my book that as a kid, all I wanted to do was travel. All I used to just hoover up atlases because obviously it was pre-internet. Yeah. And when we got our encyclopedias back then, all I did was read them. I just loved finding out about the natural world, volcanoes and earthquakes. I couldn't get enough of it. And You I were just, excited about life is oh, what you're saying. I just wanted to see the world. Did you, uh, when you change your lifestyle like that, you stop drinking, you change your job and everything. Uh, what, what happens with friends? Yeah, friends were kind of, again, I guess people just naturally drift away or you mm. kind of change. And then I started to what I did was I actually left the country for a year. So I went off and I worked on the cruise ships, which is a full chapter in the book. And I just had an absolutely amazing time. And it was just one big, long party. And I just had great fun. And because you're on the cruise ship, it's really safe. You know, you have a bed, mm. you have food, you have a passport. Controlled and environment. Very. But you also get to, you know, every day you're docking somewhere different. Uh, I was yeah, in 40 yeah. countries. Yeah. You know, there was one day I was in Brunei, you know, Taiwan, Japan, Korea. So, you know, it was a dream come true for me to work on the cruise ships. And I presume when you say that it's a party time, it's a different party to the one you were on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I was on a I was on a love boat, you know, like there's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's you know, the crew life is brilliant. You know, oh, wow. it's, oh, it's okay. really fun. It's really, really fun. Well, it was romance of the high seas, but only oh. probably only on the high seas. <laughs> yeah, kind of only on the high seas. <laughs> but the sailors are terrible. And it's true. It's true what they say about sailors. It's true. All of it. <laughs> But tell us more about this. <laughs> Hang on, it's too early. It's too early in the morning. Um, you, you, so you, you, you made these changes in your life. Uh, what happens after the, the cruise line? Is you, you, you have to come home and obviously get a solid job, I presume, at some point. Yeah, so when I came home again, I had to deal with, I was quite embarrassed by what had happened. And, you know, even though I had taken a year out of Ireland, you know, you still have to come home and face the music and people yeah. know what you've done. And 
But, you know, again, I think because I was starting to, to like, we all change, but I think the first thing I really did was accept myself. And I think that's a really big message in the book is that you have to accept yourself where you are. You have to, you know, embrace your uniqueness. You have to embrace your life and you have to find your own purpose and find your own fulfillment. So I adore sport. I love traveling and that's all I ever wanted to do. So I became a fitness instructor and that's I was a fitness instructor on the cruise ships. And then when I came back to Ireland, I completely changed my career. I used to work in bars and nightclubs and I hated it. And um, and then I became a fitness instructor and then I did Pilates and yoga, became a physio. Yeah, that's and a dramatic change, isn't it? It's yeah, literally one end of the clock to the other, isn't totally. it? Totally. But it was the best thing I ever did. And, you know, it didn't just happen overnight. You know, again, every year, even now, I still do a new course. I would, you know, I've just done diplomas in mental health and wellness coaching. And, you know, I'm always learning. And I think that, you know, developing yourself mentally is is just as important as looking after the physical and for me, the biggest message again is that you're not just a body, you're not just a mind, you are a soul as well. Mm-hmm. And you have to find fulfillment in this life. You know, it's not just about having a house, food, a car, a holiday, children. It's about being happy and satisfied in yourself. It, was it difficult to rebuild your life? Because that's essentially what you were doing in this period. Um, you mentioned that you were embarrassed about what happened. Yeah. Again, we're putting ourselves into kind of the late noughties era where anything to do with mental health episodes yeah. were very shameful. And hopefully that is, it's certainly improved. It's not over. But the improvements have made, I think, since then, haven't they? Um, but rebuilding your life, what was that like? Uh, rebuilding my life was good. I mean, obviously, like I said, you know, I was... Uh, you know, it didn't just happen overnight, but I stuck with it. And I think, again, that's really what comes through the book is that I never give up and I have great tenacity and determination. And when I set my goal, when I set my sights on a goal, I will do everything to get it. Right. I'll crawl on my hands and feet, if I on my hands and knees if I need to. I just won't give up. Was it doesn't it, occur to me to give up. Was it lonely at times? Because I presume the friends from the old parties were gone because they, they people we know from parties don't tend to be your friends, let's face it. No, so that's where the cycling came in. And in 2010, I joined a cycling club and it was the best thing I have ever, ever done. And I didn't join the cycling club for fitness because I was already pretty fit. Yeah. I actually joined it for the social element and it opened up a whole new world for me. And that's, again, really featured in the book because cycling is a great sport. There's events on all over Ireland. And then I started having weekends away with my cycling club and we'd go off and, you know, we'd do the Ring of Kerry or, you know, the um, the Tour of Clare was just on this weekend and things like that. Yeah. And then I started going abroad. And again, there's a chapter in the book about going off to France and I was completely unprepared. And I arrived in France to do some of the Tour de France climbs. And I was, oh, wow. but, <laughs> you know, again, I and struggled. Even fitness. Yeah, 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 but I struggled up them. And again, there's a whole chapter in the book about you know, what I did to get up each hill, you know, and I just, you know, was talking to myself or telling myself, you know, keep going, you got this, counting poles on the side of the road, anything to get me up that hill. Is it a social thing, cycling? Because obviously uh, once you're on the bike, you can't... Um... Oh, yeah, no, it is. And, you know, we always stop for coffee and cake. And oh, again, yes. that's where I oh, am. That's, I, that's good. You know, Stopping I, for cake now is oh, yeah, it's different. You know, it doesn't matter <laughs> if the coffee shop's 100 miles away. We'll cycle to it and then we'll eat our body weight and cake and then cycle home. So, Did uh, romance come from any of your your social exercising regimes? You're winking at me now. Uh, no. <laughs> Not supposed to say that. <laughs> um, I did have a big romance. Um uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember when, actually. Again, I'd have to add uh, 20, I don't know, 15, 14, 15. There was a big romance. Uh, and again, it didn't go uh, according to plan. Yes. And um, again, I talk about that in the book because when you sort of 
give too much of yourself to somebody else, again, it's just going to lead to hardship. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a level playing field. And I think this is where a lot of us can see ourselves in relationships. One person is, I used to say, you know, I was always pulling the cart and the other person was sitting in the back having a free ride. Uh, And, you know, and and I'm sure they would tell a very different story because there is two sides to every story. But it did, it ended and I was heartbroken. And, uh, but again, I... I said to myself, no, you know what? You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off. I love journaling. I find journaling great. Uh, I would go and talk to people. I've no problems, you know, going to life coaches. I love life coaching and yeah. I became a life coach because I believe in it so much. But I also uh, decided there and then that, you know what? The best thing for me is just to go away, gather my thoughts. And I headed off to Myanmar and Cambodia for a month and I had the time of my life. Sinead, you have fantastic outlets and ideas to um, move on from things all the time. It's really important that you know where your happy place is. And for me, my happy place is travelling solo because uh, it's never lonely. And the best thing about it for me is that I always do a life audit when I'm on the plane. You know, you have a 14 hour flight and I'll sit down and I'll, you know, I'll do like a an annual audit with myself and appraisal like you would have in work, <laughs> for instance. And, you know, I'll, I will ask myself the hard questions, you know, am I happy? Do I like what I'm doing? Do I like where I'm going? What, where do I want to be this time next year? You know, yeah, we what's, don't, we don't what's ask the ourselves plan? these questions. We don't. And that's why I, I'm a huge advocate of life coaching because a life coach will ask those questions for you and it mm. gives you the space and time to really think about those answers. Is it is one of the questions, you know, the, the presumption that we have out there that you that everyone needs somebody and you need to be in a relationship. And it's probably annoying when the likes of me ask you, you know, is there somebody there to get a romance? Well, I did in the past. No, I haven't had any yeah. romance the last number of years and, and I'm very happy to, yeah. to be so on my own. You don't need someone as the... As I don't you. need somebody. But if I meet somebody, it will be the icing on the cake, but yeah. it won't be yeah. the cake. It's not essential. No, oh, far from it, no. So you went off on your your trips. Um, like It's hard to ask the highlights because you've been everywhere, haven't you? I have, uh, more or less. But, but there must be ones that kind of stand out as really special to you. Really special. Um so Bolivia was my first real solo trip on my own. I was going down to Sydney in Australia to meet a friend for uh, New Year's Eve. So I decided to go via South America, as you do. And I had five weeks uh, in total. So I went to Peru, Bolivia and Chile. And Bolivia was just incredible. It was 2010. And uh, it's a real outpost. It's a yeah. lot of deserts, a lot of outdoorsy stuff. It's um, a brave holiday, I would say. I, do you know what? It, it's just so outdoorsy. I loved it, you know, and uh, went to the Salerno Union which is the Salt Plains, oh, did yeah, a three-day yeah. safari kind of in a jeep and, you know, went to these thermal springs and, you know, saw flamingos in lakes and things. Like, it was just like all my encyclopedias had come together. <laughs> 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 and then um, I also, you know, I've been to the Himalayas, I've been to Everest Base Camp and that was a tough, tough trip. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I made, I always meet friends along the way, uh, you know, and... I met a lovely Thai guy on that trip and actually I just met him in Bangkok there for dinner recently at Christmas time. Very good. And uh, I know that's the great thing about social media and WhatsApp and you Facebook. connect to these people you've met all around the world. Yeah, yeah. You seem to have someone who's brim- you're brimming with confidence, you talk easy to people. What if someone likes wants to travel on their own but they don't have the same confidence? Would you have any tips for them? Well, actually, yeah, because what I do is I mentor people to help them to travel oh, solo okay. and I'll help them with their confidence issues and, you know, help them plan their trips so that they feel more safe. But, you know, the the biggest thing I would say is if you're really, really nervous is do book 
a trip with like a tour, but right. go on your own so that you have other people there. There's a tour guide, you're met at the airport and then you also can have it your own bedroom so that you have that time out. Uh, particularly, you know, like I'm 50 now, you know, I want my own bedroom. I, you know, yeah, I'm over it. You know. With. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I used to throw myself into dorms and stuff and it's brilliant um, and it's a great way to meet people. But if you're on a tour, you have the safety and comfort of somebody holding your hand, but you also have your own time and space. If you were to give one, just one tip to your younger self who is falling off, you know, and you're very honest about your age. People are very weird about their age, aren't they? Oh, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What would you say to your younger self, Sinead Kennedy? Um, Well, actually, I've said it in the book, you know, that I would love to go back to that girl in 2005 and, you know, put my arm around her and tell her that, you know, you turn out to be the hero of your own story and that it's okay, it all works out and, you know, Everything you want in life is there. You just have to reach out and get it yourself. And, you know, people might think listening to me that I'm very, very lucky. I'm not. I created all, all, you know, everything I have done, I created myself. You battled and worked. I battled and I got on with it. But not only that, if I can do it, anyone can. I'm nothing special. I'm not an Olympian. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just me. And, you know... I'm five foot three. I'm small. <laughs> you know, I'm just a little thing and I have a bike. Don't be doing just, yourself down. And you no, know you don't, but, but you're, yeah, you're bright but, you know, and beaming. But I'm just, and I'm just us, me. I'm not, yeah, any, yeah, you know, I'm not some great. major thing with, with special ingredients. I'm not, it's just me. You're giving us a great story. Uh, Life is a Cycle is called the book. You may have mentioned it uh, along the way there. And it's self-published where people can get it. Yeah, on my website. website so yes. com, and uh, you can get it worldwide delivery as well. Um, quite a lot of the books, uh, the cycling shops have it as well. So Cycle Superstore, Joe You know Daly's. all the cycling, all the cycling, all the cycling shops. shops have been Joe so Daly's, supportive. Joe Daly's, Alan, Hannah's in Dublin, Think Bike Dublin, but SineadEkennedy.com yeah. is probably the easiest of them all. Yeah, and I'll deliver it, post it straight to Listen, you. Continue to enjoy yourself and your travels, Sinead Kennedy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Oliver. Good morning. 51551, that's the text back after these.